Welcome to Full Disclosure here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Jim Legion with David Grising, the president and CEO of the BGA. We're both back after a, a week's much-needed vacation, and we have a lot to talk about this morning, including a, a lot of things the BGA's been looking into. But breaking news is going to take precedence this morning as we are awaiting later today an announcement from the governor apparently uh, putting some uh, new COVID mitigations in place as we are seeing cases start to surge again and with the school year about to get underway uh, multiple reports indicate the governor is going to announce a statewide mask mandate in schools for preschool through grade 12 district 186 here in springfield had already decided to go with the mask mandate uh, but many other local school districts were planning to be mask optional this school year it now appears they will not have that choice david grising this is going to uh, once again start up the debate over uh, whether the governor is uh, is grabbing too much power for himself, unilaterally imposing rules like this. Uh, the courts have already weighed in pretty extensively on that, but that will not end the debate, certainly. No, it'll probably kick off a, a renewed debate. If, if you've seen a video of, of school board meetings across the state, it's obvious that this is a highly emotional issue on the part of parents as well as school administrators and the general public even. Uh, the parents uh, are arguing with uh, a lot of intensity on both sides, both the freedom to not wear masks and the need for uh, students, uh, as young students in particular, to be protected uh, because they, many of them or most of them, are not yet vaccinated, don't even have the option of being vaccinated. And so the parents take it very seriously, uh, the protection of a mask. Uh, to protect their children. So uh, this is going to be uh, fraught with emotion. It'll probably play into the governor's reelection. Uh, but he's been steadfast throughout that um, he's going to follow uh, CDC guidelines. He's going to follow data. He's going to follow science. And if others see this as a power grab on the part of the governor, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker seems willing to take that hit. And um, so far, uh, it seems that by and large, uh, in many parts of the state, he has a lot of support in doing so. We don't know what else the governor might announce today. There are social media rumors out there. At this point, they're just that rumors, and so we won't get ahead of that. We'll be watching very carefully, though. That uh, announcement scheduled for around 2.30 this afternoon. We plan live coverage here on WMAY. Uh, and, and David, as you know, this is uh, you know particularly important because uh, children 12 and under still cannot get the vaccine. Uh, older uh, children and uh, obviously teachers and staff and schools have the option of doing so. Younger children do not. Uh, but even in the situations where uh, people are old enough to get the vaccine, some are choosing not to. And uh, public health experts say that's contributing to this renewed surge uh, in uh, cases, particularly of the Delta variant, uh, that is largely being spread, they say, by unvaccinated individuals. But it could potentially put vaccinated individuals at risk of contracting. And now, according to the latest uh, CDC information just a few days ago, not only contracting, but then further spreading uh, the, the the COVID virus and the Delta variant. Uh, and so the, the governor, I think, you know, feels pretty confident he is on both solid legal and public health grounds in what he is apparently going to announce today. 
Well, absolutely. And as you noted, Jim, uh, his powers have been tested multiple times in the courts, and he came away uh, with pretty much an unblemished record there. Uh, there seems little doubt that the governor has the right, the legal right, to do this. The politics of it are something different. Uh, in some of the downstate down parts of Illinois, he loses support for this. Uh, this is a popular talking point for people uh, on the Republican side who uh, would like to run against him and may run against him. Uh, and so, uh, but the governor's fully aware of all this and, and it would appear he's doing what he thinks is best and he's exercising the power that he thinks he has. And by and large, um, again, while, while there are some who, who, uh, will vilify the governor for this, there are many more, it seems, who, uh, uh, respect both his authority to do it and the judgment he's exercising in acting in the way he has uh, to this point. And a lot of the discussion, too, about whether it's appropriate for him to do this or to uh, bring the legislature and let the legislature have a say on this. But, I, I uh, you know, it seems to me that the silence uh, of the legislature uh, is, in its own way, uh, a statement on uh, the, the governor's ability to do this. Uh, you don't see the uh, Democratic leadership in the General Assembly uh, trying to bring people back together to weigh in on this. They seem very content to let the governor make the call on it yeah, well <laughs> there's politics in that involved in that as well probably sure. uh, if it's the governor's job to do this why would they want to step in on such a politically uh fraught issue uh but as you as i think your question implies if there were strong views on the other side of the issue from the Democratic caucus, uh, in particular, that the governor is making a mistake, we would hear about it from the lawmakers. Uh, for now, it appears they're just going to kind of lie low uh, because they do recognize how uh, touchy this issue can be. And it, it's implied by their silence that they uh, accept the governor's judgment and the plan that he's proceeding with. That said, Jim, uh, the press conferences this afternoon, I'm sure that some of the legislative leaders will be asked about this by reporters during the course of the day and afterwards. So uh, by next week, we may be talking about a revolt in the legislature, although I'm not expecting it. We'll have extensive coverage throughout the day and in the days to come here on WMAY. In the meantime, we continue with full disclosure with the Better Government Association. Uh, The BGA is a watchdog group. It's also an investigative group and uh, does some uh, spectacular work. Check out their website uh, to uh, to see uh, the, the latest uh, information on big stories that they are, are tearing into. Uh, and David, this has been a, a fascinating deep dive into uh, a story that I, I feel like it hasn't really gotten as much attention as it deserves. That was the, uh, the hacking attack, the cyber attack on the Illinois Attorney General's office. It, it literally shut down the office's computers and email and everything for a while uh, a few weeks back. It has been a, uh, a major major uh, impediment uh, to the office's operations. It's been costly. It's been embarrassing for the attorney general because cybercrime is supposed to be one of the areas the attorney general is policing. Uh, and so you've taken a, a much closer look at all of this and, uh, and, and what it tells us at this point. Right. We, along with the Chicago Tribune, got an interview with Kwame Rule in which he went through step by step uh, the measures he has taken, the amount of money the office is spending, $2.5 million in order to try to repair the damage. One of the things that comes to light is that uh, the the attorney general's office had plenty of warning uh, from the state uh, auditor general who is conducting a government-wide review of vulnerability uh, as of uh, January 29th. 
uh, Raul's office received a draft copy of a state auditor general investigation that put it on a list of uh, about 29 state agencies and universities with significant cybersecurity weaknesses. Uh, there was a meeting subsequent to that uh, in February, and then in April, uh, the hack happened. And, and so um, that says uh, maybe a couple of different things. One, it says these hackers know what they're doing, and despite any uh, protective measures that may have been put in place, uh, they still got through. Or it could say maybe the efforts were not uh, adequate. We don't yet know those details. Uh, but it's really a fascinating look into uh, not just the vulnerability at, at the AG's office, but but the statewide uh, 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 vulnerability. You know, the city of Rockford has had significant problems. Other cities across the state have had have been hacked. Uh, Kwame Rule said that he has not paid any ransomware and will not pay any uh, any ransom in order to uh, protect. His systems, but uh, there are agencies in the state that uh, have made a different decision, and there's some talk now, both at the state and federal level, of uh, prohibiting uh, government agencies from paying any ransom in order to protect their computer systems. Yeah, we had a, a local case, a local governing body here a few years back that did ultimately wind up paying a, a, a ransom to get their computer systems unlocked. It is certainly a dangerous game, and doing so just emboldens more uh, of these sorts of cyber attacks, but it is a very complicated and difficult problem to solve. And again, when they can uh, get at an agency like the Illinois Attorney General's office, where, again, you've got people who are you know dealing in cybercrime, uh, and you can find the vulnerabilities there. It just shows you how uh, potentially vulnerable any government agency might be in that situation. We've got much more to get to this morning on Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. We'll be back with David Greising here in just a moment. Sunshine. 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 Welcome back to Full Disclosure here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Jim Leach with David Greising, the president and CEO of the BGA. Again, we encourage you to check out the Better Government Association website regularly for uh, investigative uh, pieces and uh, follow-up. They don't just go in and do these investigations and leave them there. They follow up to see if people are paying attention, implementing uh, ways to change some of the deficiencies that are found. Uh, and David, this uh, process is is continuing with a, a recent investigation looking at fire safety in Chicago, and you've been looking at best practices in other major cities. Uh, this is a, a literally a life and death matter here, and Chicago continues to lag behind what other uh, cities around America are doing. Right, and this story is about Chicago, and as you pointed out, in comparison to other cities across the country, it really is a story about what are the best practices in all municipalities uh, where there are rental buildings which are notoriously uh, at risk of uh, uh, dangerous and even fatal fires. And what we are finding is that um, there are plenty of examples out there of cities that have had uh, tragic fires, fatal fires in many instances, as was our finding in Chicago, uh, in buildings that had previously been inspected, et cetera. And in some of those cities like Minneapolis and Washington, D.C. and San Francisco and Los Angeles, uh, you just name you know, the big cities across the country, they've taken significant measures. They, for example, uh, required licensing of um, 
of uh, all landlords. Uh, and in order to get a license, this is in Minneapolis, in order to get a license, of course, the landlords need to demonstrate that they have uh, safety measures in case. In one of the cities we looked at, they said they were going to inspect every single apartment building in the city. It took them four years to do that. Uh, but after that, they had they had a, some idea, at least, of where the uh, danger lays and uh, where they need not spend quite so much time and effort uh, inspecting. Inspecting uh, in some of the cities, they've started alerting landlords as to when they're going to be uh, paying a visit. Uh, whereas in Chicago, they just knock on the door and hope somebody's home, and they have an un- inordinate number of. Uh, in, of cases in which they're unable to inspect because it just happens that that person is at work or or uh, or maybe doesn't want to uh, be visited by inspectors. We don't know. Uh, so this was uh, for for our purposes quite an interesting look into uh, the, the the argument that it doesn't need to be this way in Chicago, where we've had 62 people die over the seven year period that we studied in buildings that previously had been inspected or on which there had been complaints. And this, the Department of Buildings really had done little to nothing to prevent these deaths. You know, this is obviously a big issue in huge cities when there's so many different properties, different buildings, uh, very difficult to keep on top of all of them. Do you have a sense as to whether these sorts of deficiencies uh, are, are commonplace in smaller communities as well? Uh, are, are smaller communities doing a better job of staying on top of these issues? You know, Jim, I don't have that perspective. I would say that the numbers uh, in smaller cities are smaller, but so is the so is the uh, so the municipal resources also are smaller. It's something we haven't had a chance to look into yet. But uh, fire is just as dangerous in small cities as it is in large cities, and some of these practices uh, can be looked at as a template for small cities uh, to model. It's really not a sense of scale. It's a it's a it's a question of what programs do you have in place regardless of the scale of the uh, urban population? It's a real wake-up call to take action before a tragedy strikes. We're talking with David Grising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association. And one of the other important things you'll find on the BGA's website is the fact check uh, feature where they go in and evaluate statements made by elected officials and candidates, uh, do the deep dive uh, to uh, really get to the bottom of what they're saying, whether it can be backed up and documented, or whether, in fact, some of those officials are engaging in hyperbole or outright falsehood. And uh, most recently, David, you've taken a look at uh, statements from Governor J.B. Pritzker as it pertains to uh, federal pandemic relief and the state's ongoing issues with unemployment. Right. Uh, Illinois is one of 17 states with significant uh, debt owed to the uh, to pay back unemployment benefits, $53 billion altogether among those 17 states. Illinois owes $4.2 billion that it has borrowed in order to make unemployment payments. And Governor Pritzker was asked by Capital News Illinois whether he was considering using some of the American Rescue Plan money uh, $8 billion the state of Illinois is receiving uh, in order to catch up with these, pay back what it owes the federal government on unemployment advances. And Governor Pritzker stated that um, that's not actually allowed under the ARPA rules. And uh, we looked into that, and, and it is allowed under the ARPA rules. Uh, um, now, to, to the governor's uh, credit, um, the ARPA rules have been a little bit of a moving target. There was a period during which uh, uh, payments like this were, would not have been allowed um, uh, using ARPA money, but it is now allowed, and it does raise the question of whether the governor 
not being aware, has looked at this uh, possibility of taking some of the federal COVID relief money and putting it toward uh, repaying the borrowings the state did in order to make unemployment payments. Uh, you know, so a number of states have done that. Uh, Illinois so far has not. When we asked the governor's office whether the governor now is considering uh, using that money in this way, now that he's aware it's uh, it's an approved use, uh, we did not get a response. So this is something we need to continue to look into. Uh, there was a lot of demand for that $8 billion in federal funding. Uh, and um, uh, so it, we don't know that this money would go toward uh, repaying this uh, federal money, but uh, but it certainly is an option that's available to the governor, and he apparently was not aware of it as of uh, two or three weeks ago when he gave this interview to Capitol News Illinois. Keeping him honest with the Better Government Association, and uh, David, unfortunately, we're out of time, which means we don't get the chance to talk about Rod Blagojevich uh, seeking to have his oh, right to gosh. run for public office reinstated. I know, I'm as disappointed I, as you are, but... Uh, just can't talk enough about Blago. It's really, <laughs> really too bad. Uh, but we are, unfortunately, <laughs> out of time. So, David Grising, tell people how to reach you in the BGA the rest of the week. I'm at dgrising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And, of course, here each week on Full Disclosure on the WMAY Morning News Feed.